Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Bostecu. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey, you glorious winners. This is a power smash of an episode with the incredible comedian and author Shappy Corsandi. Straight out the door, though, as ever, thanks for listening. Please tell people about the podcast if you like it, and why not rate, review, and subscribe. Every time you give it five stars, it means that other people get to learn about it more and shit, apparently. Uh, so for all the word sharing, thank you. Thank you. If you've got spare actual wedge, uh, you can become one of my patrons. They slash you get loads of exclusive content and discounts to live shows and guest recipes and stuff like that. Go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. By the way, I'm not ill. I've just recording this um, when I've only just woken up and I, I think I'm probably like another octave deeper. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I also need to tell you that I'm on tour with my show Hench all around the UK, Ireland, and I'm going to Melbourne. They're all selling out, which is amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been to Bristol and Leicester and Corsham and Bridgewater, and it's been uh, really fun so far um, at time of recording. But now um, I'm going to some slightly bigger venues. Um, so this week um, that you're listening to this, I'm going to be in Colchester on Tuesday the 25th. There are other dates as well. I think there might still be some tickets for Canterbury, um, but only one or two. Uh, but in Colchester, there will still be tickets, I'm sure, because I'm in a massive venue for me. So if you're anywhere near Essex, especially, why don't you come to that or send someone that you know who's in Essex? Okay, details of all of the tickets for that stuff is all on my website, jessicafostecue.com. Right, right, right. Um, before we get into this week's podcast with Shappy, I do, uh, I need to do probably my most serious warning um, that I've ever had to do for an episode yet. Because um, considering we're two comedians, um, Shappy and I, this is an episode where I got quite sad during it and felt sad after it. Uh, you need to be warned that we talk very openly about eating disorders, not just disordered eating, but full-on bulimia and um, binging and and starving, but really bulimia, most specifically. And this is the first time where I've spoken to someone who has just outright said, 
um, that they're not in a great place in terms of recovery and that their troubles are very much ongoing and it's um, there's some detail in that so please you know obviously nothing is glamorized uh, it's just very sad but please know that if you're someone who's going to be especially upset by that let alone potentially triggered by that please know this might not be the episode for you um if you're okay, however, uh, then know that there are obviously also moments of funniness and lightness and learning and love and culture. Um, and it's a very powerful conversation, which is why I'm really glad we had it. I love Shappy for her heart and her candour. Uh, we met at her house and we wolfed some really nice lunch from Wagamama's. It's on. Yay. Thanks for having me round to your house. It's my pleasure. Thanks for coming. Um, I'm going to take pictures of this grub, but we, we've got uh, Wagamama's off to Leverue. Should I have been a bit more civilised and put it all in serving dishes? No, I think I can't be asked, and I wouldn't be asked. I can't be asked. Can you be asked? I got a plate. We're just going to. You've got plates and um, water in glass because we're grown ups. <laughs> yeah, I did reach for the plastic. You did reach so for the you're plastic. You're the only adult. That's because I've just been writing my book. Yeah, have you? Oh, that's kind of been in my house. That isn't oh. one of my neighbours or yeah. one of my mummy chums. I know you are a mummy, but you know what I mean. By yeah, mummy. we don't know each other from that. No, we know each other from work. Work friends. Um, I've. What is everything? That's a salad. That's really obvious that that's a salad. Yeah, patronising. Vegetable gyoza, bang bang cauliflower. I love bang. That's. Bang I didn't know if you were veggie, but I sort of am. Yes. Selfishly. I am, um, I am as much as I can. If I can avoid meat, I do. Yeah. Um, I was ve- uh, vegan for a long time. Lo- a you? long time. It's only about a year and a half. Okay. That's a long time. That's longer than I managed. Time, yeah. And I found it a lot of fun. Okay. But then I relapsed on eggs. Eggs are amazing, aren't they? Eggs are great. I can't, I don't yeah. think I'll ever give up eggs. No, I think even when I come close to having days and days of being vegan, I'm more, it's... Eggs that will tip me over the edge. Do you know, the thing about being vegan, I didn't even do it for animal welfare. I did it for the environment. Did you? Mm. I just found it made me feel really good. Oh, right. It made me feel really clean. Did it? On the inside. I wonder if that's, how much of that is? Psychological. Yeah. I just... Because maybe, but maybe you were um, cooking more and eating less processed stuff or something. 100%. And also, it forced me to eat so many um, vegetables. Right, and that's so good. And I love aubergine, so I just like had an excuse oh, to eat aubergine all the time. It's the best, isn't it? But um, that's yeah. my favourite vegetable, aubergine. Aubergine's amazing. Um, I'd love to make you some Iranian aubergine one day. Um, yes, please. Um, I read your book years ago. Maybe I've written about this. Your first book. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, it was years before we ever met. I loved I it so much. I recently, yeah. yeah. Um, I was just a super fan, Shepi. Oh. And um, I loved the book, and but it made me so hungry. And actually, I, I almost was like, can I contact her just to say, where can I go in London and eat <laughs> food like you've descri- described in this book? Do you know, as I was writing that book, I didn't even realise I was writing so much about food. Mm. It was when people read it afterwards and a couple of TV companies approached me for, like, cookery oh, really? programmes. I was like, I'm not really that into cooking. Yeah. Um, I am, weirdly, I am now. But at the time, I was like, no. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think I can talk about being Iranian or my family without mm. food. So my dog's just put her her head right between my legs <laughs> sort of adorable and sort of distracting <laughs> really jealous of the Wagamamas got such a nice doggy um, I always start this by saying asking if you've eaten anything particularly sort of memorably brilliant or awful in the last few weeks <clears throat> yes right um, but if you've been down a writing hole maybe that's interesting as well I'd like to know how when you're deep in the middle of writing a book, if that changes the way that you eat. Yeah, food's really important. Yeah. Food is so important yeah. because it's that kind of like what you look forward to and mm. breaks up your day. I can't do without bread uh, in mm-hmm. the mornings. If I don't have bread in the morning, I feel um, sad. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really sad and nothing's worth, worth that sacrifice. Yes. 
Um, and what I, I do find difficult is, like a lot of mothers of young children, mm. I hang around a lot with other mums. Yeah. And it astounds me how much of the conversation is about weight loss. No. Still. It astounds Well, look at the school gates. It, you've lost weight. You haven't lost weight. Oh, yeah. you look great. Oh, look at you, skinny mini. Yeah. All of that. So it's sort of awesome. like, without you realising, makes you kind of think, maybe I should cut down on carbs. Mm. But I won't ever do that with bread. Good. Um, but a memorable meal I had, actually, recently, fairly recently, a couple of months ago, I went to Mumbai. I went to India for the first wow. time. Wow. And for I work or holiday? It was for work. I went with Soho Theatre. Oh, wow. So I did a couple of shows there as part of this literary festival. And it was really exciting because I love... I'm um, I'm a trustee at the Soho Theatre. So oh, I'm wow. very emotionally invested okay. in all the new um, venues that they uh, are looking at. And mm. the India thing, I thought, oh my goodness, Soho in India is going to be amazing. Mm. So anyway, so I went to Mumbai... Only for a few days. I'd never been to India before, have you? No, I'd love to. Oh, my goodness. It blew my mind. Really? Yeah, I I had to... I sort of formally apologised to my brother for all the years I've taken the mickey out of him for being one of those real kind of India hippies, like, oh, unless you've been to India, you just don't know yourself. <laughs> and, and what I realised that when... I mean, I've only been to Mumbai, but even in the short time that I was in Mumbai... It, it sort of forces you to deal with parts of yourself right. that you don't have to deal with here mm. or anywhere else I've ever been. Yeah. It was, I mean, a billion people is a lot of people. Yeah. There's a lot of people there. And so, yeah, and then what just the intensity of uh, how packed it is or mm. the disparity between how people are living their lives. Yeah. I, that's the things I've heard people say is that it's like you will get your absolute mind blown by... Just the the normality of the extremity of poverty next to such extraordinary decadence. Abs- wow, that there you go. Um, that's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, you are a very articulate woman. <laughs> well done. Thanks, you should, Rick. You should make a living from words. <laughs> good Did you um um and you ate incredible food there? I mm. assume. I just assume. I did so. Um, Iranian food is very herby. Okay. And Indian food is very spicy. Yeah. And um, there's a Indian-Iranian restaurant in Mumbai called the Britannia. Okay. And the decor is really, really kitsch and cute. Like, they've got, like, you know, the um, Iranian Zoroastrian wings with some, like, Indian paintings next to a a life-size cardboard cutout of... um, William and Kate. Oh, God. That's really brilliant. It's brilliant. And then uh, my brother said to me... (laughs) A painting of them up like idols. Yeah. He said, please, please go to the Britannia and have the food there. It's run by this Iranian family that have been in India for 90 years. Okay. I was like, okay. And he said, they've got a really special version of Zeresk Polo. So Zeresk Polo... Is this uh, is my favourite Iranian dish? Okay. It's saffron rice made mm. with these little berries called barberries, oh. which used to be um, used a lot in British cooking. Right. But it's yeah, yeah, just yeah. That they stopped growing barberry and it stopped being a thing. Just stopped eating them. Maybe. Yeah. There's loads of. Uh, yeah. Sorry. And you. Um, they're sort of sweet and sour. You know, they're just little berries and you mix them up with sugar to make them a bit sweeter. Right. And then you cook them with a really lovely slow slow cooked chicken. And he goes, I do a really special version of um, Zeresh Polo. And I went to this place in India with um, the guys from Soho Theatre, oh. Stephen Mark. And we got the, the, their, their berry rice. Yeah. And I was like, it just looks like normal Zeresh Polo. Why is this different to any... Oh, my God. I ate it. It... I actually cried. It was <gasps> so amazing. It was, it was like Iranian mixed with masala. Oh wow! And the flavors of the, of like these oh, two wow. places just they just ran to my fingertips and my toes, and I was very emotional about being in India yeah. anyway because my my brother, who I'm very close to, now lives in Rome, which makes me sad. So I miss him more than I normally do. Yeah, and he he spends loads of time in India, and so I just felt like this real connection with my brother. Oh, and eating this food in this amazing country that was do- kind of doing my head in, but I was loving it at the same time. And it was emotional. I, wow. I get very emotional about food. And so- I do. That's what an incredible. That's 
Without doubt, uh, the most moving and interesting answer anyone's given me to the most brilliant thing that you've eaten recently. I mean, it's extraordinary to go somewhere that extraordinary, be so blown away by it, and then have an eating experience that, that I mean, that's moving because it takes you to somewhere else, back to somewhere else as well. And someone else... As if it's not enough that you've... That, that was... Um... And also, I found out Bombay Duck is fish. That blew my mind. <laughs> Never knew. I didn't know that. No, Bombay well, Duck okay. is fish. Yeah. Wow. Because that was the thing about um, in being in India, that the disparities you talked about, mm. the, um, that you see this little kid who's probably no more than four curl up on a street corner, mm. and then literally ten paces away from him, there's another four-year-old kid who's been smothered with kisses by its parents. Yeah dressed beautifully and bundled off into a nice car to go and do something lovely. Yeah. And they can see that other sleeping four-year-old and yeah. you can see that other. Everyone can see. And we walk on by. Yeah. And that, just seeing that, you're like your eyes seeing that, is... I'd never experienced that before. Right. It was wild. And you can't just go up to that four-year-old kid because it's just... Everyone's milling around, and yeah. all you can do is go and give them money, but you can't pick such them a up short and take them home. Fix, and, yeah. yeah. And anyway, so all of that and talking to, and then you know later that evening going to the you know deputy high commissioner's house mm. for dinner. Wow. And then seeing all that and people there and okay now and it's yeah so that that food and, and then I came back here. And I went on about it, mm. and my brother saw my tweet, and he goes, did you know that Dishoom, mm. uh, the restaurant chain, um, base a lot of their dishes on this restaurant? Oh, really? So I contacted Dishoom, and they sent me, bless them, they're so nice, um, they sent me their cookbook, and in it is there's pages mm. about the Britannia, and they have a photo of the guy that I met there. Wow! And I took Mr. Kohinu, and I took a photo with him, and they've got this there, it's all there. And I was like, Oh, right. my God. And then I tried to go to Dishoom, but I had a really long queue. Oh, it's always such a long queue. I can't queue to dance or eat. Um, I had an incredible br brunch there once. They do really amazing breakfasts. Did you have to queue for ages? Mm, no, but I think it was an, a weekday mm. morning. That's when to get in there. Mm. But then I don't know if they'll do that. Do they do a version of that? I can't pronounce it. Zerish, put a berry rice, yeah, but they use cranberry. Aha. Uh because -huh. you just don't get barberries anywhere. Yeah. You do in Iranian shops, uh -huh. and you do in, um, there's a shop called Kuddi in mm -hmm. West Stealing. It's a Turkish shop, but it's got every Middle Eastern thing you could possibly want in awesome. there. Awesome. Mm. So you get packs of Zeresk in there. Nice. Pretty nice. I've got some here. Yes. Yeah, I've got Zeresk. Bring on your rice when you get home. Um, you did Celebrity Masterchef. Mm. <laughs> I want to talk about it generally, but... I just randomly want to know what happens to all the food. Is it like Bake Off and all the crew come and eat it? Mm. Fine. So it doesn't well, just that, get binned. Well, you, yeah, well, a lot of it does because it's cooked badly on the celeb yeah. bar. But, um, <laughs> the crew eat it. But what happens on it, the food gets cold. Mm. By the time you, oh. you make it and then they have to do takes and retakes and reset up, it's an ice cold meal. And the what? studio was freezing. And I feel a bit sad about that programme. I feel it was a bit of a wasted opportunity. Because ah. I was pregnant. Oh, shit. Early stages of pregnancy. Oh, secret early pregnant. Yeah, and it was just... Um, I wanted to eat more than I wanted to cook. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And a lot of the stuff was making me just sick. Oh, I was going to say, it's knackered and it queasy. It was knackered and worse. queasy. And I just moved into this house as okay. well. So I had all my stuff in boxes. Oh, shabby. So my dream is that they invite me back again mm. one day. But um, I'd love to do that now, not pregnant, and also yeah. with way better cooking skills. Yeah. Do you love cooking? Love cooking. It's um, it's taken me years to. I've always loved cooking, but it's taken me years to get confident at it and learn that um, because I can cook really badly if I'm trying to. I still fall foul of it sometimes. Try and cook think something very complicated very quickly, mm. <laughs> and then it's always shit. I have to take time out mm. for it. Mm. And I'm getting much better at going, I, I don't know. It just takes a bit of planning, doesn't it? Or going, you don't have to make this extraordinary lunch. You can just have, just defrost something or, I don't know. Do you have to do batch cooking? Mm, I do quite a lot of That's that. That's good. I am. Um, 
I don't know. I do things like, God, this is so banal. I'm worried it's really banal. I can cut it out maybe. But I, <laughs> I do lots of like making one por- person portions of things for babysitters and stuff. So my freezer's full of that. Oh. But then I, I feel guilty eating it. So you end up cooking. I don't know. At the moment, I am... Um, you, I, wait a minute. So when you have a babysitter, you think what they're going to have for dinner. They're yeah. Gonna do... I love you. Oh, is, I really love is, feeding my babysitters. That is, the, that, is, <laughs> that is somebody who is kind and generous. Oh. And Seriously, people who like to feed other people are the best people. My babysitter, my main babysitter um, is my friend's mum who lives around the corner. And um, she's... Oh, I love this, and I admit it sounds like I'm being rude about her, and I, but I mean, I have so much respect for it, because <clears throat> I love cooking for her so much. <clears throat> she, um, she's got quite confident about telling me what she does and doesn't like Brilliant. in my cooking. Brilliant. In a way, which like, well, um, I love the bit, that bit of the cake, but I don't, I, I didn't like what happened to the pineapple, so mm. I really had that. And then <laughs> she'll like, she'll, she'll critique thing, like item by item things that I've made for her. <laughs> Rudy had that bit. Yeah, so he had that, and I, he did ask for chocolate, so I did give him chocolate, like, oh, so. Say scrum diddly umptious. No! And then you can be in my podcast. Scrum diddly umptious. Honestly, I don't play to win, ever, yeah. anything. Um, I like to enjoy the process, and I found that really tough when I'm a celebrity to get me out of here. Right. I didn't understand why everyone's taking it so seriously. Well, how can they enjoy any of their life if that's how they live? Is I genuinely like, think win, that. Win, 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 win. And, and um, instead of being a bit, like, sort of, I don't know, just I kind of enjoy being a bit of a loser, I think. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a funny way of putting it. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I had a fascinating conversation recently um, with someone who'd met a sports psychologist who was saying there are, if you, if you just take footballers, there are certain types of brains where you can get them to pitch a scoring a goal, you know, and through that visualisation they'll start scoring loads more goals. Yeah. Um, but he said that but the majority of people, you know, who try and practice that kind of stuff on themselves, you know, people who do dream boards and vision boards and stuff like that, yeah. are missing the mark because most of us are processed based. Like, and you need to show... You know, most footballers, you'd actually need to show them how to get the ball anywhere near the goal. You can't just show them the end. Right. And I was like, it's so interesting. I think I've fucked up in loads of elements of life, you know, until realising that. Because I'm not at all goal-focused either. No. I've always hated being asked what where, what my one-year plan is or my five-year plan is. I couldn't give a fuck about winning things. Mm. Um, but the same, like, in terms of, you know, a life of... A finally finished life of dieting, thinness. That was a goal. That was like the ultimate goal. Yeah. It's you get you. Then you're if that if you could, your process is fucked. Yeah. Then. That and that's if you're not. It comes down to that enjoying the journey, isn't it? It's that hippie. Oh, I found cut. myself watching Mrs. Doubtfire recently, <laughs> and then there's that bit where she um, she gets ready to go out with him, and yeah. I was like, oh, she's nice and thin. I shall be that thin one day. And I went, why are you still thinking like that, woman? Oh God, it's so deeply ingrained why into our. Why are you still well, thinking but also that it, it's January, and I think it, it's sometimes really hard to clock how toxic the millions of conversations, like you're saying with the mums, all the time. You know, yeah. if everywhere you go, all around you, actually, still, outside of our woke bubble of comedians. Mm. Or media types, or London types. Even then, like just real life, people are still talking about diets and weight loss constantly, especially women. It was on. Um, I like um, Sean Keefney on Six Music mm. in the afternoon. Same. If I'm doing, especially like if I'm in and cooking or doing admin. Um, but he had Tom Kerridge on, and they were. I mean, it felt like hours. They were just talking about weight loss, and that, and because Tom's got a new diet book out, that's his thing now. Yeah. For the whole afternoon, I was like, I know that even listening to this is sowing some sort of neggy seed. Not, I wouldn't go so far as say toxic anymore, but negative little seed of unhappiness that's going to... It just taints the mm. way you think about everything, even if you've got to a really nice place with yourself. I was with it's... her on a WhatsApp group with a bunch of friends, and um, one of them had joined um, swimming, a, a swimming... Um, a, a, a slimming club. Right. That everyone talks about. Mm. And she lost those away. She looked great. And so a few more joined. And then they were on this oh, WhatsApp group discussing getting there that evening or whenever. Right. And then one of them put, oh, wow, are we all are we all going? Oh, it's only Shappy left. Now, I had not said one word in the discussion. I hadn't expressed the desire to lose weight. 
I hadn't joined in, I have, but they noticed that I wasn't, and just as, the, as though it's like they're going to, you know, go on a hike or something. That's come on, Chappie. Yeah, it really upset me. I left the group. I was going to say, I don't think I could have been in that group as soon no, as someone it. started talking and about I've going never, to a I've group. never told them why I left the group. Yeah. Um, it should be pretty fucking obvious. I'm not sure. And maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's no, not. They don't get, I think because when people don't have disordered eating, mm. they kind of think it's normal. But I have messed up eating. I've, I was, yeah. you know, I'm, I really struggle with bulimia. Right. I still struggle with bulimia. Yeah. And so I, and then if I say, oh, look, guys, you know, this sort of triggers bulimia in me. Like if you're, <laughs> if you're oh God. it's like a smoker. Yeah. If you haven't, you haven't smoked anymore and, and you go out and all your friends are blowing, like they're smoking your face. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's not, it's not much deeper than that. If yeah. it's, you know, you don't, no one needs to understand it any deeper than that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, don't be silly. You look great. And it's like, oh, oh that's fuck not, off. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. And you're not listening. You're not hearing. And oh, mm. yeah. But that's okay. You just have to remove yourself from some situations, don't you? It's the only way. Yeah. Yeah. You said we did a podcast together before for Kate Thornton. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. White Wine Question Time. Yeah. Great name. Yeah. Great cool. name. Great lady. But you were really honest on that, about having a, a really complicated history with eating disorders and stuff. But you also said that um, um, I'm a celebrity set, set your recovery back as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Oh, my God. That's so interesting. Whoa. Be- that because you mind. inadvertently shrunk so much during that yeah. because there wasn't anything to eat really yeah I lost about a stone right. and I was and I, and I was not very much when I went in yeah um I don't weigh myself but I, I was a size 10 when I went in and a size right. 8 when I came Fuck out fucking hell tiny and tinier and I had a flat stomach for the first time in my life oh, but it was a flat wrinkly stomach because the lot the weight was lost so quickly mm. And I was fitting into these like tiny little dresses and, and I knew that this is the awful thing. I knew that how quickly I'd lost it meant mm. that the minute I start eating again, it'll come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I came out first because I right. am a winner. Yes. And I mean, I, you were like, yes, get you to see to my family. There. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so they, they fly your family out and, and you oh. stay in a five-star hotel for two weeks. So the sooner you come out... The longer, the longer you, you have, get in the hotel, the longer you have, which is why I say I want amazing. it. Amazing, right? and <gasps> that's like, so cool. It was great. It was amazing. It was just a bit, and you get per diems as well. Oh, nice! You just like, get paid like random money just for your dinner. So it was amazing. <laughs> get <laughs> in money. So I knew that, and then in my mind, I was like, I want to be, I want to stay this thin right. for when I go back to London. Oh, but I knew I wouldn't. Yeah. And and so I had to, in two weeks, of course, I put it all mm. on and more. Fucking and hell. it absolutely picked me up by the scruff of the neck and hurled me into a pit of bulimia oh, and I couldn't get out for about a year Lord. and a half. Oh, fuck, yeah. Shabby. It was really awful. Oh, Lord. Mm. I didn't realise right. a year no, and a half. It was, it, was, it was a long time, but it's not, it's not all... You know, it's, I've never been where I used to be with it, like right. in my 20s. It's, I'm still functional, whatever. Mm. It's just like, oh, it, honestly, if people aren't bulimic I just or, or have a disorder, yeah. I just say it's it's in some ways no different to being so disappointed in yourself because you've had a cigarette after not having a cigarette for five years. And the shame and the self-hate that... And, and then you yeah. go, I'm not going to do it. And then you do, oh, do it again. Then you find yourself, like... Yeah at the back of the house with your fag and it's it's, yeah. it's just like why am I doing this why am I doing this what why am I so strong in so many areas and then you realise you know it, you have to be quite strong to relapse because yeah. <laughs> it really hurts yeah. to put yourself back in that situation so it's uh, and I've had to talk to my kids about it as well because mm. they notice things go missing mummy right. where are the Kit Kats that were there mummy went and I have to say to them guys really sorry but if we want a treat we have to buy that one treat and that gets eaten then and there for you right yeah and we can't have you know loads and loads of biscuits and stuff in the house at the moment because yeah. you know I'm not very well at the moment I'm not very well at the yeah. moment and, it, and my boy gets it and he understands it and um, you know it's you have to be honest with them, I think. Yeah. Because that just adds more secrets, more lying, more whatever. Yeah. It just adds adds. Which is up. more shame, which is in itself the deepest, the deepest sort of, uh, the sharpest bit of the thorn, I think. Yeah. The shame. Ah. 
time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I think it's pretty rare that someone, that any, there's, I, I think there's hardly any women that don't have any problems with eating at all when it comes to sort of weird attachments of, sh- it should, what well, objectively are weird attachments of shame to different mm. types of eating. But because it's so pervasive, the message, the simultaneous, I think even if you've had no, you know, you've never had, an eating disorder. I think most people have flirted with some disordered eating in the sense that we're constantly being told not just that thinness is ideal and it's the mission we should all be on, but also that foods are good or bad. Mm. And so, you know, it, 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 it's only... I'm, I'm, I feel quite middle groundy with language stuff because I, I don't... I like the idea of a future where we, there's words we can't say mm. um, because I think it's all about context and ownership and... But I am starting to really see how the implications of not just like, you know, diet companies that use words like sins and stuff like that for food. I mean, that's so overt. Like that even, is like, yeah, whoa. Over yeah. a big chunk of my shows about it. Even my sins? It, um, oh, God. It's horrific. But even, even down to like junk food, dirty burgers, stuff mm. like that. Like we... We grotify and mm. neg. We we're so neggy about even that. It's all. It's just so hard to totally make yourself have this sort of functional, cheerful relationship with eating. When in a million different ways, day in day out, we're being told, "No, no, it is complicated, and you should be thin." Yeah, <laughs> I know. But I, I'm keen as well to hear about your journey with of recovery itself i i've spoken a lot about my shit on this podcast so anybody listening will already know it but if you mm. this is the first episode you're listening to i have a history of binge eating disorder and i flirted with bulimia and mm. and starving myself it, in my teens but it the one persistent disordered eating type for me would be binge eating but i for me i a therapist years and years ago who i was seeing for a heartbreak said to me um should we talk about eating and i was like yeah Okay, and she was like, "I mean, how is your eating?" And I was like, "Fine, love it." And um, she went, "Oh, okay, great. You know, so so tell me what you've eaten today." And I hadn't binged that day. This was like the late mm. morning, but I felt like she'd asked me to take my clothes off. It was the most dis- I hated her for, and she clocked that she'd hit a nerve. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Oh," and he, and both of us were sort of stunned by my reaction. And I was like, "Oh shit," you know. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't ready then, and it was years later, sort of in the run up to starting this podcast. I thought I've got to get my cards on the table if I'm gonna um, talk about this. Yeah, yeah. So 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 I have CBT. Not just about that. I originally thought I'd start having it to help feel less stressed about work or in control of my time and my yeah. energies. Um, but in sort of as a byproduct, I've, I've been working through it with her for a couple of years now. But I wondered about if you'd be up for talking about what your recovery has looked like as a journey. Has it involved any people, books, therapy? Um, have you gone it alone? 
Mm. I don't know. I find it <clears throat> fascinating. I've, I've spoken to people who have had a million different well, things help. Well, I have to, I have to be honest and say it's not great at the moment. At right. the moment, it's um, I'm not in a good place with recovery. Right. And for me, it took me so many years to mm. realise and understand that throwing up was the tip of the iceberg. I thought yeah. that was the problem. Right, right, right. I wasn't seeing the journey. Mm. The overeating. Right, right, right. I didn't realise that. I just... And I would... When I was a student, I remember I used to shop specifically for binges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd do the secret thing. And that all started at uni and it intensified. And there was no internet then. There, I had yeah. no way of reaching out to anyone in a similar situation, mm-hmm. similar position. And the way I describe it now, one of my favourite films is American Wolf in London and or any any cheesy uh, werewolf film not that i'm saying that film is cheesy it's pretty cheesy but i, it, it. I mean it's great yeah I love it. I, <laughs> a bit where um he's really happy all high all fine and then he starts to turn into the werewolf and he mm. sees his nails get longer and he's aware of it and he's like what's going on mm. but he can't stop it yeah and then he goes from being a conscious human to then morphing into the animal yeah and then there is no control there is no um, there's there's no helping him. There's no saving him. So I always see myself when I go into a binge. Yeah. As oh the werewolf thing's happening. Right, right, right. And, you know it's happening. I'm getting that feel. I'll be at my computer. The kids will be in bed. Oh oh there goes it's, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. And what I have neglected to do, which is what I learned in recovery, is that unless you put your recovery first, nothing yeah. else works. Right. So for years I've been saying, yeah, but I haven't got time. And I've got this deadline. And I've got a show yeah, to write. Yeah, yeah. And I've got the kids. And I've got no babysitter. And then it all falls apart. And I, you know. Yeah. And and so today, actually, <clears throat> I, um, when I was out walking my dog, I, I thought to myself, right, it is now non-negotiable. I have to go back into 12-step recovery. Yeah program because I've done I did 12 step that's the thing that changed my life I've never got past step two right but for years and years and years I went to meetings right and in but I've never got past it step two I found and this is different to the 10 steps of intuitive eating this is like an anonymous group yeah this is an anonymous group for um yeah yeah and sorry, I'm being cagey because one yeah, of the one yeah. of the rules is you yeah know, you don't talk about Fight Club. I get yeah, it. Yeah, because it, yeah. But it's good, I think, for people listening to know that there there are groups if you need to Google yeah. that you could go to without needing. I assume you don't need money. I mean, I think that's the other thing. Free. I talk to so many people who are like therapy, this book, this book, this book, and you're like all good. But what it, you you have some privilege to yeah. be able to afford that. Therapy's approach. expensive. Yeah, it is. So I remember I was about thirty. One or 32, 31, when I met um, my, the man I married, who I'm now divorced from. Yeah. But I had been, you know, in this cycle of binging all throughout my late teens and, my, um, and all of my... Tw- I feel like bulimia stole my 20s. And that was a time where, as a comedian, I should have been really working hard and enjoying, yeah. you know, being on the circuit and, and, you know, having the attention that I was mm-hmm. getting. I should have enjoyed it, but I was locked in yeah. bulimia and... And I didn't, oh, it was all a blur. And there'd be days where I would like be living in this bed sit that I lived in and like, you know, throw up sort mm. of five times in one day and then go and do a gig. And it's like, wow, the last place oh. you should be right now is on stage with people looking at you. It was, it was a really bad state I was in, a really bad state. And mixed with a lot of boozing. And mm. so when I was 31, I fell in love. And by then, I'd sort of really realised that something needs to be done. Yeah. And he was really supportive, and he read everything he could about it. And we, um, I found this. I, I didn't know there's a twelve step for yeah. people like me, and I found it, and I went to it. Mm-hmm. And I just sat in this room, and I, I, I'm a joiner in. You know, I like yeah. a group. <laughs> 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 Find yourself a say, sit down. Uh, oh. Oh, lovely. And it's my to turn to speak. Um, and I just found everyone in there um, really normal. Yeah, of They course. all looked normal. They were from all walks of life. Yeah. Um, and it was peaceful and everyone spoke. And I didn't say a word. Like, first few sessions, I just sat there. <laughs> and then I remember 
I just went every day for because they said like go to three sessions before you decide it's for you and I think it was the third session where this guy was talking about um I'm not sharing anything deep about someone's yeah, share yeah. but he was saying about going to the anxiety he felt going into John Lewis to exchange something and it suddenly occurred to him that it's not going to be John Lewis himself <laughs> really made me laugh he'll be upset that he'd rejected his present from John absolutely and oh. that really made me laugh and also it brought to, it just brought to my attention that you see nowadays people talk about anxiety I didn't have a word for it I, no. was, I thought it, I was on my own mm. everything every social event was anxious if someone you know I just felt so shy talking to people if someone didn't greet me warmly, I thought that my world was coming to an end because I'd obviously upset this person. I used to lose sleep over people not returning my phone calls. Yeah, yeah. Like, actually lose sleep yeah. rather than think, um, well, they're busy. Mm. Or, well, they're not that arsed. <laughs> Whereas yeah. now I can go, oh, well, they're busy or they're not that arsed. That's fine, move on. They don't rule my life. They These people don't rule my enjoyment yeah. of my life. Um and so I realised, and then as I just, I just committed to these meetings. So this is in my early 30s. And then um, that summer, it was 2006, I went to Edinburgh and I was at the toast of Edinburgh. My career was going great. Yeah. And everything started for me. And every interview they'd say, well, you were on the circuit for a long time before, before anything happened to you. And I was like, yes, because I went happens. into recovery and everything, you know, was clear and I had a life. Mm. And I, I was enjoying the stuff that I was doing. Then my husband and I broke up and I just sank straight back into it. But never, ever like it was before. Okay. Ne it's never been like it was in my 20s. Right, right, right. Um, I never hit that place again um, because I, I knew what the problem... Like, in my 20s, I didn't know it was about the eating. Yeah, no. stupid. It's like, why did I not guess that my compulsion to eat ate donuts and throw them up was but it, normal? And it's an... It, but... But it's an illness, I think, the acknowledgement of that as well. It's like, it's not a, it's um, it's a manifestation of anxiety, unhappiness, mm. whatever. Something else that's not firing on all cylinders. And I think very early in my therapy about eating, I remember uh, my therapist saying, you, you know, when you feel like eating loads or whatever, even any time you feel like eating, stop and ask yourself, <clears throat> what, you know, am I hungry? And if you're not hungry, because it takes ages if you've got an eating disorder, you, even if I would consider a life spent constantly in a cycle of dieting as mm -hmm. a, an eating disorder, um, all, all of those help you, they, they disconnect you further and further and further from knowing what your own hunger and your own fullness oh, look like. I didn't know what hunger was no. until I went into recovery. Oh. It's mad, but also then you're like, oh, well now you need to try and work out all these different patches and, and it's different hormonally, it's different mm. for me, weather, you know, and, and, and it, I do think it's, and then once you realise if it's not bodily hunger, then why is it that you want to eat? What are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. And there's nothing wrong with responding to emotional requests from your body to eat. Yeah. But it's that, and I had a really, in the end, I just had to say, I've got to stop doing this because I'm, I want to eat so off. I was so happy to be at the, in the beginning of sorting and fixing this out mm. and having, try, being able to let go of all these, um, you know, all the judgments of myself. I was under a therapist's orders to eat what I wanted when I wanted, but just to take a bit of time to stop and think about yeah. what I wanted, why I wanted it, and try and make a note. But the, I've, again, I've said it on here before, but the, I had, she was like, so tell me what emotions you feel that make you want to binge eat. And <clears throat> some of them were so obvious, you know, shit gig, you know, on my own in a hotel, lonely, relationship going down the shitter, um, you know, there's admin. Oh, there's me yeah. admin. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it. It's like there's yeah. just stress with work. There's all these really negative things. But there was one day where I am, um, where it was just slight relief. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Elation as well can make me want to eat. But also, I, there was a day I was, I'd been writing on something in town all day. I had a gig. I didn't particularly want to have a gig. The gig got cancelled. And I was like, hopping and skipping. There's no better feeling. Yeah. And that is light relief. That is yeah. not a big emotion. Mm. That is light relief. And I genuinely thought I could get a burrito on my way home for dinner. <laughs> Yeah. I just went, oh, I'm so, I nearly said my therapist's name then. I've got, I've got to stop writing down which emotions. It's all emotions. Mm. It's just, it's what I go to. I mean, I, I drink as well, uh, and I smoke at the moment. But I, uh, 
we it's a part of your humanity to look for things to numb your emotions and yeah. i think a lot of people don't understand that that's what you eating in excess does you, you I, yeah. it's just like drinking it's just like smoking my partners that i've had that know about it they um would think when i'm relapsing that's because i'm sad no like, it's not sadness it's any emotion any emotion any emotion can level it yeah um oh god yeah it is but they oh, i don't know i was about to witter on with there thanks for going into the um for being so honest about it uh i think it's fascinating I like also it's it, only when you say out loud you go yeah I'm drink I drink and I smoke it and you go, oh god mm. I'm doing a lot of I'm doing a lot of crushing emotions at the moment but yeah. I'm having quite an adrenaline time work-wise yeah. and I try and set myself um like realistic goals in terms of kindness to myself so, so I can only do two or three things well at once yeah. <laughs> and so I'll be like well um you know if my eating's all right and I'm moving my body in a way that makes me feel good I don't really mind drinking and smoking too much this month because I've got a very adrenaline-y work month. And then, you know, maybe I'll reset those things that come spring and... I don't know. A lot of self-forgiveness goes on in my head. Yeah, I I have to. I work on not beating myself up about... um, When my career started to really um, go somewhere. Yeah. And then... I always have said, and then I messed it up. I messed it up because I relapsed and I let my divorce take over. And I look back on that and I just think, maybe I, maybe it wasn't for me. Mm. Maybe sometimes I was um, watching this comedy, um, a new comedy show on telly. Yeah. And I was watching it, just like the, the vibe of it and the, you know, the, yeah. just the whole, and I just thought, oh, it's such a relief to look at that show, that mm. noisy show and know that I have no place there. Yeah. That would not make me happy. Yeah. And um, in our job as well, you sort of, you think you should want to ha- to, to do all of the things that are yeah. available. And then I speak to some comedians <clears throat> who routinely turn down requests to be on panel shows. Mm. And I just think, and they're really successful. Yeah. And, and I just think that, that, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. It's FOMO and that person that I've had to work through in yes. my head, that person that felt sad that I wasn't booked on this anymore or mm. that, um, is the same person who I remember when I was at university. It was Friday night, I was going out and I said to my flatmate, are you coming down the union? And she said, nah, do you know what, I was going to, but I'm reading this really good book and I want to stay home and finish it. And I was going out and I was all dressed up and I looked at her so envious. Yeah. Just thinking, I wish I had the courage to stay in. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting all this food. Yeah, it's really nice. I thought we haven't even spoken about it, have we? That seitan was quite interesting. Really? Like we got yeah. katsu seitan, which I'd never tried before. It's a, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of texture. Yeah, and I like, it was quite like tough and, tough's the wrong word, that didn't make it sound nice. Chewy. Yeah, robust. It's just gluten, isn't it, apparently, yeah. I think, seitan. Carl Donnelly made seitan. Oh, he's so clever he with food, He is so he? clever. Clever food man. Um, okay, I'm going to ask you silly things. Yes, please. Okay. Um, five second rule, yes or no? Yes. Okay, great. Nice quick answer. <laughs> um, I got a five-minute roll. Nice. Is there anything? Um, do you? Is there anything that you like? You know, people have a very specific ways of eating their Cadbury's cream egg. Yeah. Is there anything that you have a very particular way that you think it must be eaten? Um, hundred percent. Right. Oh, so, great. I can't eat um something like um. What are those chocolate biscuits that are you... Lesbian? Lisbon? Lesbians. You know the lesbian chocolate biscuits? You know those lesbian chocolate biscuits? Lippin? I know what you mean. Lieben or something. Something like that. Where the chocolate... With the chocolate square is on top of like an oblong... That's it. With like a frill around the biscuit. That's the one. So anything like that... Um, I have to bite the chocolates off. If I'm having a feast, like a wall's feast, I have to have all the chocolate off and right. then leave the solid chocolate in the middle to eat last. Yes. If I have a crunchy... Who just chomps through a feast? I weirdo. think you'd have to be some kind of... 
really a strange animal. animal to just chomp really into an feast. animal a bad person <laughs> um, bet Boris Johnson eats a feast in bites he gets someone else to eat it for him no he doesn't does he no he um, doesn't so I, and even if it's a I think like, we just fat shamed Boris Johnson I, he's like literally the one person we're, that you're allowed <laughs> Any chocolate, I have to eat around it and then mm. on top and take layers off. And then, like, say if you're nice. having something like a, a Milky Way, mm. and so you're just left with the nougat. How can you do it's, that? It's, it's years of practice. I just nibble. You must I, have such a dainty nibble. I nibble. Because it's so thin, that chocolate. Mm. I can understand how you could do it off the roof. Yeah. But the sides, there's literally no other option. Would you eat a person? Um, As in, there's literally nothing else to eat. Would you eat a human? Well, is it like on a Sunday afternoon or, or I'm stuck somewhere? I've a... left it a, a relatively open scenario. Life and death, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if okay, they died fine. of natural causes. Okay, I wouldn't fine. kill anyone to eat them. No. Okay. Even no. if they were a terrible person? I would not kill anyone to really? eat them. Really? No. Would you kill anyone for any reason? <laughs> no. I, okay. couldn't, I couldn't live with myself. Okay. I have much worse would you? rage. Yeah, I know... I know that in the in my darkest, roast, red, misty moments, that it, it would be possible. Yeah. I mean, if anyone harmed my kids, yeah, or... it would have to be a big bloke. You know, it would have to be someone. Yeah. Or, but I also just know from my road rage, I could kill someone. I could kill a man. Oh wow! Definitely. I don't get road rage. Oh wow! It's only because I'm a new driver. Um, now, when I had children, mm. when I became a mother, yeah, I started to have fantasies. Like visualizations of mm. myself murdering, like a big bloke that hurt my kids. Yeah, it's like, sort of to yeah. prepare yourself. Yeah, that but, comes, yeah. and I think no, I could gouge yeah. someone's eyes out with my hands. Yeah, should I? Should it come to that? I love where this conversation's gone. Um, <laughs> it's never gone that way before. I feel like I did it, and, and it's um, <clears throat> and like you know, you read something in the paper where 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 someone's harmed a kid. You know, systematically. Oh god, no, 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 no. I just no, think no. leave that yeah. person with me. Yeah, and I, I'll but kill I, them in yeah, my hands. I would. Yeah, I could. I, I, I think could. I could. I know I could. Yeah, it, even reading about anyone doing anything to a kid, it's, it drives yeah. me mad. I mean, it's, it it does pique some kind of animal bit in you, doesn't it? You know it, the the you. eating thing. Yeah, I've had to that thing where you have to stop yourself and ask, what emotion am I trying to suppress? Yeah. It's quite tricky to find that point mm -hmm. because there's only two points before that where it's like the point of no return yeah right so yes absolutely so that's really tricky but one thing i have really had to keep an eye on mm. is my use of reading news right because excuse me i will meditate on bad news right um and hurtful news yeah. you know a, a dog's been harmed oh, yeah or, yeah a child's been hurt and I will just go, oh, this is so awful, I've got to really go, no, no, no. Mm. And, th and then I think, no, this is an illness. There's absolutely no need for you to be here right now. And recently, I'm, I have found, not recently, it's been a while, Twitter is part of my really compulsive yeah. disease. Right. It really, really is because reading oh, Twitter God. is one thing, but writing stuff and reading replies and responding and going down into an absolute pit. Right. For some people, it's like something to, you know, pass some time when you're having a poo. Mm. But it can eat my time and it can affect my... I've never come off Twitter happier yeah. than when I went on it. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, so now uh, I tweet sort of, things, but I'm I only. I feel in my head I'm only on it for work. I, um, I don't think I do find... I can completely understand why social media and the news would be triggering. I don't think it is for me in the sense that two things that can happen on there, though, are any any trolling, even very light, quite uh, cheerful, you know, yeah. I'd like a constructive debate level, yeah. which isn't really trolling. That can send me into pits of sort of internal analysis. Yeah. Um, and seeing a picture of me I didn't ask anybody to take, usually on stage, that those two can... Yeah, once people just go, oh, just about to watch Jess uh, on stage and then take a picture and then yeah. you're sort of like, eh. I don't I want to have to think about what I look like on stage. I don't think it's that important for my job. I mean, you, our expressions are and, you know, the way we use our body and our work is. Yeah. But I, um, I sort of fundamentally think there's something really unhelpful about how much we're all having photographs taken of us all the time and all mm -hmm. taking pictures of us. Not that I'm very torn on this because I think, of course, bring on 
bring on the feminist side of this that is we should enjoy looking at ourselves whatever body we're in. We fucking should. Mm. But should we enjoy looking at ourselves all that much at all? At all? I don't... I don't... I think it's, it's a big ask for ourselves. A terrible curse blights humanity where if you touch anything green, your limb just flops off and vanishes. It's shit news for limbs and people, but even worse news for green things, which were already in danger from climate hell. Now we start to fear them. Uh, Everything we fear now from football pitches to most apples to large parts of Wales become terrifying and abandoned and increasingly demolished. It's horrible. But amazingly, the curse agrees to shut that nonsense up and stop it. But only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, do 10,000 word searches in a row whilst walking round and round and round and round and round and round a small park it sounds impossible but you do it okay so uh, your reward is the um, adulation of all humanity for all time because you've saved us all from the terrible curse Mm. Um, but your reward in the moment is the feast of your dreams Um, but because you've been so consumed by the word searches and the stroll around the park you're fucking hungry Mm. okay so um uh I want this feast of your dreams to be in the context of having hunger. So, and I don't want it to be anything ethical. I couldn't give a fuck about whether it's healthy. And also nothing in the answer has to be possible. It can be made up dream things. I'd love to know in your dream situation what you'd eat, what you'd drink. And if there's a who, with and where, then who, with and where, please. Oh, wow. Okay, first of all, this is something that I would do gladly because I love gardening. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Um, I love gardening and walking so actually can I do it anyway yeah um, oh gosh the feast of my dreams has got to be with my brother nice because um, eating is our communal thing we lovely love to, we both get food yes and we both have the same taste in mm. food and people and it would have to be a, I love using my hands when I eat I'm a very emotional yeah. like hand to mouth person yeah. Um, so that's why I like, you know, um, Chinese duck pancakes. Mm. I get in there. I don't use forks or spoons. And and I can do the really sort of clever Middle Eastern way of using your fingers properly. Not Ooh. shoveling it in, but there's a system. You know how people learn to use chopsticks? Yeah. You can learn to eat with your hands. To pinch. To pinch very gently, very cleanly. Ooh. And I learned that when I was a kid in <gasps> Iran. So I think it would have to be... A mixture of really... I love really incredible Chinese food. Mm. If it's done well. Yes. It's amazing. And and you can touch it. So yeah. something involving ducks and pancakes. Great. And I love chilli. Mm. Um, some sort of chilli beef. I am going to become a vegan again soon. <laughs> some sort of... Ch- just for having this fantasy. <laughs> some sort of chilli beef that's also been sprinkled with, like, the god of crispiness. Ooh. Crispy, crunchy is my thing. Nice. Um, wet is not my thing, which is why right. I, don't, I don't like noodles and soup. So if got there's it, any noodles it. and soup, this fantasy is ruined. Okay. So crispy, crunchy... Chinesey, mm. and then somehow fused with the heavenly herbs of Persian cuisine. Oh. There's got to be some heavenly herbs in there, and my mother has to cook it because nice. her cooking is divine. And okay. even as an atheist, I mean that in its literal sense. <laughs> World's worst atheist. Um, yes, so I think it will be eating with my brother. This sounds really rude now because my mother's not actually invited. <laughs> but food that my mother has cooked along with the best uh, Chinese chef oh. in the universe. Oh my God, what an amazing answer. Because Chinese, you. you can get aubergine, yeah. you can get crunchiness, the, the, all the different textures mm. in Chinese food. Um, and, and also with Persian food, the way they cook the rice is they have like maybe half an inch base at the bottom of the rice that crisps up. Oh, fit like a bibimbap. That's like a Korean dish that you cook oh. in a bowl and, and you put cooked rice, maybe like um, some raw beef, mince or whatever, some vegetables. And it And then you put an egg in and the, the stone bowl is hot and you whiz it up and the egg crusts the oh, rice wow. to the bottom. Oh, so you get like a crust. Crusty crust. rice is one of my favourite yeah, things in the universe. Rice. You've got to come na- another time when yeah. you're not working and I'm going to make you food. I'd love Let's to come that. and have some. Let's do Please. That. The minute my book's finished. I've and never. I've, finished. Yes. 
Um, right, yes, so that would okay. be my heavenly food. Talk to me about your novel. Well. <laughs> well, Doctor, my novel. <laughs> so I, I wrote um, my first novel, Nina's Not Okay. Mm. I wrote, and it's about an 18 at 18-year-old alcoholic called Nina. Uh-huh. And so many journalists asked me, why did you specifically make her an alcoholic? And, and the thing was, it was my first novel, and they say write about what you know. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine a character that didn't have um, addiction disorders. Yeah. And because for me, it took me a long time to properly understand that some people don't. <laughs> Some people aren't addicts. And that was incredible to me. Like, I was hanging out with people, and I went to Amsterdam with a friend when I was about 24. And we went somewhere, and she got a sandwich, and she offered half of her sandwich to me. She goes, Oh, do you want half? Mm. And I was like, I can't do that. I can't be so ambivalent and blase about food to just like go, oh, share them. What? Now I can. It's amazing. It's amazing that I can. But back then, or like people would say, um, oh, it's my birthday dinner. We're all going to go out to dinner. What? Well, already I'm panicking. Yeah. Because what will I eat? What if the person next to me has more chips Mm. than me? I cannot enjoy communal. I couldn't enjoy communal food. Oh, God. So sad. And I'll put it up for it now. It's all fine. So, so Nina's Not Okay is a, a book about an addict, and um, it, it was the the the, um, the book was massively based on my own early twenties. Right. Um, a lot of the experiences were experiences I had in my early twenties. Right. But I made her younger. I made her a teenager. Yeah. Um, and also, the people that reacted to it, the publishers, because it was a young woman in mm. a, an eight, 17, 18 year old they called it a young adults novel oh god and that's not how I wrote it yeah. I wrote it for the 90s generation that, that's yeah. how, and, and sure enough women of my generation were really related yeah. to it but then I got avalanches of messages on <gasps> Facebook from addicts oh god absolute, oh god addicts um, parents of addicts um, and and they and somebody wrote to me the most beautiful letter and just said that I know that in your publicity you skirt mm. around the issue but there's you can't have described Nina the way you did if you hadn't been where she is oh, oh no it's actually cry but um but for me that book mm. made up for losing my 20s yeah that was my my way of getting some of it back and doing something creative out of it so that book meant an awful lot to me yeah and still does Nina is not okay it's better by the end. I mean, no spoilers. Okay. No spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> I still need to read it. What an incredible guest. Wumpf. Please get your hands on Shappy's book, Nina is Not Okay. I know I will be. Follow Shappy on social media. It's at Shappy Corsandi. I'm sure you're already a follower, but if not, it's S H A P P I K H O R S A N D I. Go and see her stand-up. She's really funny. You'll find out about it from her Twitter. Um, most up-to-date, I'm sure. She's doing a mini-tour soon of her current show, Skittish Warrior. And a new show she'll be working up in Edinburgh. And it's going to be called Inner Stormzy. <laughs> Just such a great title. Come and see me on tour if you want. My show, Hench, is going all around the world. Well, Melbourne and then the UK and Ireland. Um, go to my website, jessicafosterq.com for tickets, also for tickets to live shows of hoovering and any other particularly important work in progresses I've got coming up and stuff like that. Follow the podcast on social media. It's at the hoovering pod. I'm on there at Jessica Fosterkey on Instagram, Twitter. Tweet me, contact me or email me through my website. Again, jessicafosterkey.com. Huge thanks to Acast for hosting the podcast. Hoovering is produced by Emma Corsham and the music is by Mike Greenway. Until next week, happy hoovering. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.